Well, amen. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles out this time. I appreciate that special there. Uh, it's good to be back. This past weekend, I was not uh, doing well. There's nothing wor- I hate worse than being sick. Uh, I hate it. I, I, I'm always going, and I hate when I, when I had to take a step back a little bit, and, uh, but I'm glad to be back. Uh, it was asked me, they, uh, someone asked me uh, right before the service, they said, I see how it is. You only show up to church when uh, you get to preach, and uh, I said, well, I saw, saw who was preaching on Sunday, and I was like, I think I'll just stick this one out, and, uh, but no, it was a great messages on Sunday, uh, obviously Sunday morning, Brother Montgomery preached on the love of Christ, the love of God. Uh, great message, and Brother, uh, Brother Collingsworth on Sunday night, uh, preaching on just staying faithful, and uh, God giving the blessing as we stay faithful, and uh, I trust that that was a blessing to you. Uh, be praying for Pastor, he'll be back, uh, Lord willing, on Sunday, and I know that I'm sure he's enjoyed his, his vacation, I'm sure he's enjoyed his break, and I'm sure it's a blessing to him to be able to uh, step away and not have to worry uh, somewhat about things falling apart around here, I mean... <laughs> Uh, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, what he thinks when he gets back. And, um, but I want to be a help to you here this evening. Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. When you find your place, turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Uh, and then Galatians chapter number 5. And it's looking really good in here. I, 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 it's looking sharp in the back. Uh, and... Um, as we get ready for the conference, uh, keep that in prayer, and uh, be praying uh, for all the, all the pastors that will be traveling here. Uh, be praying for our church, of course, to stay healthy, and uh, look forward to God doing uh, great things uh, here in the next uh, several months. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, the Bible says, we'll pick up with verse number 14, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We find here God establishing uh, that doctrine of separation. Uh, What a great doctrine that is. Uh, A lot lot hinges on the doctrine of separation. It's a a doctrine we don't hear preached about a lot uh, nowadays in this world we live in. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of preachers have have backed off of that. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to upset people. They don't want to... Uh, shake things up a little bit, but it's still in the Bible there. And uh, again, a lot of the Christian life hinges on this doctrine. Uh, And so we find here God establishing the doctrine of separation. Now turn over to Galatians chapter number five. The Bible says in verse number seven, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. Uh, for a couple minutes this evening, from using these verses on our springboard, I want to I preach on this message here this evening. Certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. Certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. 
Thank you for the opportunity to be in church this evening, Lord. I pray that you speak to our hearts here this evening. Lord, uh, help us to be reminded that uh, though this world is changing, though churches all across our land are changing, though Christians are compromising, uh, though a lot of things in this world are changing, Lord, help us to realize that you haven't changed, you never will change, and Lord, your word still is true today as it ever was. And Lord, speak to our hearts here this evening. May we be strengthened, may we be encouraged, and may we be helped uh, by being here this evening. Be with Pastor uh, as he's, as he's uh, about to head back. Lord, I pray you just give him traveling mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. Certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. Uh, we find here in the book of Galatians, chapter number five, uh, the Apostle Paul writing the Galatian letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Galatia. This church, as a direct result of Paul's work in ministry in Galatia, had been growing in the Lord. The members of this church, mostly Gentiles, had wholeheartedly received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And as they served Christ with enthusiasm, they were growing, uh, they were thriving, and they were abounding. Uh, we find here not... Much long after Paul leaves the church to head to other places, he receives troubling news from the Galatian church. They were under attack and they were actively changing in what they had believed. The Galatian church had, had given certain Jewish teachers ear as they taught their heretical message to the Gentiles, uh, those who were not Jews, stating that they could not be saved without keeping the law of Moses. And it's in response to the false teaching uh, th which they had received, that many in the church were giving heed to the heresy with the same wholeheartedness that they once had for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it is here we find Paul writing the verse in verse 7 when he says, Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now it's interesting when we read this verse here that Paul did not, did not ask what did hinder you. You know, Paul doesn't go write this letter to the church and say, hey, what is hindering you uh, over there? Notice Paul didn't write, why were you hindered? Uh, Paul didn't write, how were you hindered? When were you hindered? Where were you hindered? He asked, who did hinder you? You see, it's always a who. Uh, it's always a who who hinders you when you have the truth and you get away from it. When you have the truth and you give it up or when you have the truth and you compromise it, it's always a who. Isn't it interesting in this day and age we live, people want to compromise, people want to change what they've been given, uh, people want to go back on what's been handed them, and they want to have a discussion of why they did it. Now, Brother Montgomery, that's ridiculous. Uh, let, me, let me explain why I did what I did. Let me explain why I changed what I changed. God does not care. God is not concerned about that. God says, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? There's a dangerous and disturbing stance that I see taking place with Christians all around our world, in churches, and uh, unfortunately even sometimes in our church, that is hindering them from obeying the truth. It's a stance that if they do not deal with it, it will change them and ultimately destroy them. The, the danger that I see taking place is what we call improper association. Improper association. Let me make this statement. Association is important. Who you associate with is important. Association matters. You see, you are who you associate with, or you will become who you associate with. Now, we look, we look 
uh, across churches, we look across Christians, and if we're not careful, uh, we can see the changes going on, and we can get bitter about it, we can get upset about it, or we can resolve in our own life, say, you know what, they made the mistake. I'm not going to make the mistake with the Lord's help. I'm going to stand true. It's always a who. It's always someone who's going to come into my life. It might be family. It might be a friend. It might be a church member that I go to church with. It might be a coworker. It might be somebody I even love. But I got to watch out for the who. You see, you will become who you associate with, or you already are who you associate with. Birds of a feather flock together. Ye did run well. Who? did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. There's a right crowd, and there are wrong crowds. And I said, singular, there's a right crowd, and plural, there are wrong crowds. There's too many people that say, oh, there's, a right, there's all kinds of right crowds, there's all kinds of wrong crowds. No, 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 the devil makes sure there's plenty of wrong crowds to pick from, but there's only one right crowd. You see, truth is truth. Uh, there's not multiple truths like this world says. Brother Peyton, what, I don't agree with that. That's your truth. No, 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 that's not how God works. That's not how truth works. Truth is truth. And there is a right crowd and there are wrong crowds. And while many Christians try to build bridges and associate with both crowds, eventually they'll pick the wrong crowd over the right crowd to associate with. You mark that down when you have a Christian who wants to be a bridge builder and say, I want to associate with the right crowd while at the same time associating with the wrong crowds, mark it down and it will eventually change them and destroy them because they will always pick the wrong crowd over the right crowd. I, Dr. Tom Malone made this statement. I was reading this a while back. and I, 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 like, I like hard statements. I like hard preaching. That's what I grew up on. Uh, I, I, I don't, it does not bother me when someone preaches hard and I get uncomfortable. Uh, that's what I grew up on. That's what helped me get to where I'm at. But he made this statement. He said, I am not interested in building bridges with the wrong crowd. But I sure do have a pocket full of matches, and I'd like to burn as many of them as possible. And you see, uh, some of uh, Christians in here are building bridges and trying to associate with both sides. It's not going to work. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. You see, nowhere in the Bible will you find God commanding you to be a bridge builder. I, I, I mean, uh, I've read this Bible, and unless I wasn't paying attention, I've not found anywhere in the Bible where God says, hey, be a bridge builder. I've not found it. But I sure have found places in Scripture where God said, build a wall. And I sure have found places in Scripture where God said, hey, be a wall builder and separate and come out from among them. And so often in this world we live, we've fallen prey to this uh, hellish philosophy that, you know what, we ought to learn to, to get along with the wrong crowd. And we ought to sit down and have a debate with them. We ought to have a discussion with them. And God doesn't teach that. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the just. And he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. He, you're trying to build bridges with the wrong crowd when you say you're with the right crowd. You're trying to play straddle the fence and stand in the middle of the road. And let me just say, you stand in the middle of the road, you get hit by somebody eventually. And, uh, but you, you try to play the game. And I'm telling you right now, the Bible is true. Let every man be a liar. You will never be accepted by the wrong crowd if you're the right crowd. And if you're the wrong crowd, you'll never be accepted by the right crowd. Why? It goes along like oil and water. An unjust man is abomination to the just. 
you and I are products of association. You see, I stand up here today a product of association, the right association. That doesn't mean that I can't be an idiot and stupid with my life and change my association and no longer be a product of right association. But as of right now, I'm a product of right association. My parents kept me in the right church. My parents made sure that I lived in the right home. Uh, My parents put me in a right Christian school. My parents stayed on top of me and made sure I stayed on good terms with the pastor. My parents made sure that I had what I needed so that I could get an education and go on to Bible college. And as of today, I am a product of association, the right association. But here's the thing. You and I, if we don't maintain proper position and association, we'll become a product of wrong association. You see, Paul says, ye did run well. Hey, Galatian church, I remember, in fact, I led a lot of you to the Lord. I remember when you first got saved, and I remember when you trusted the Lord, how excited you were, how wholehearted you were about the gospel. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You see, certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. This is what is missing in a lot of our independent, fundamental Baptist churches today. We've got the right Bible. We've got the right dress code. We've got the right actions. I mean, we, 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 know, how to say the, the, we know how to say the Baptist lingo. We know how to appear spiritual. We, we've got the right actions. We go out on our bus routes. We go out soul winning. We go out and do uh, Sunday school work, and we, we keep the nursery, and we do all these things each and every week. And, hey, that's to be applauded. I'm not, I'm not saying those are wrong. I, I applaud you for that. But what's missing in our churches today, what's missing in Christians' lives today is that we have started building bridges where God said there should be a wall. We've, start, we've pushed the walls down and said, God, I want to be a bridge builder now. And there's certain crowds, you just have to get it through your head here today, that God has said there is a doctrine, a principle of separation, and it's there for your safety. And too often we sit around and say, oh, it's that pastor. He just, he just wants me, he wants to dictate my life. Well, that's, a, that's what a rebel says, so if you say that, you're a rebel. Uh, that, that, that church, they just, they have a rule book. And I, I, if I could get a hold of that rule book, man, I'd love to get a hold of that. And I'd, uh, there is no rule book other than the Bible, friend. God says there is a doctrine of separation. And we've got to understand here tonight, there are certain crowds that we all got to just kick to the curb. You're going to have to get a backbone if you're going to survive as a Christian. You're going to have to be a little tough if you're going to survive as a Christian, I want to point out certain crowds out of the book of Acts that God shows us clear as day, and I hope it'll be a help to hear today. Certain crowds we all got to kick to the curb. Now, first of all, I want to point out is this, the certain crowd of deceit. Turn over to Acts chapter 5. We're going to use our Bibles a lot this evening. I mean, uh, it is Bible study, right? Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, Acts chapter 5, the Bible says, that, you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, verse number 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost 
and to keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. We see Ananias, uh, he comes in, and notice that the Bible, words are important, and get, just, just ingrain this in your head when you're reading the Bible. When you see words that kind of stand out, God uses them for a reason. God identifies the problem to us if we, we just have to focus, we have to pay attention to what we're reading. A certain man. That means he's set apart from the rest of the men. That means that there's something different about this guy that was not common in this church. A certain man named Ananias. What did he do? He walked up to the apostle Peter and said, Now, uh, Peter, uh, I'm here to give my gift to the Lord. And uh, I'm sure he was expecting some hallelujahs and some amens. I'm sure he was expecting uh, Pastor Peter to get up and say, Now, I just want you all to know that Ananias brought in something great for the church. But that's not what Peter did. He said, uh, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Did thou not promise this? And you've lied. And you know what? He absolutely did that. He was deceitful. The Bible goes on to say in verse 7, and it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Uh, Sapphira comes in, same situation. Oh, Pastor Peter, look what we've got. You know, and all giddy, and you know, I, I can almost sense the, uh, the fakeness just oozing out. Probably had the fake smile and probably just was, you know, just acting so, you know, spiritual. You know, look what we've got. We've, we've done what we said we would do. How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Holy Spirit? What was this crowd associated with? Deceit. I, I think we all know what deceit is. It's appearing to be one thing when the opposite is true. Now, let me, let me link this back to what, where we live here today. This crowd hides the truth of what they really are. This crowd appears one thing but they aren't what they appear. In other words, they may have the tag Christian next to their name. They may have the name Baptist next to their name. They may say they're independent fundamental Baptist uh, like the rest of us do. They may say this. They may say they believe the King James Bible, but they aren't what they appear. You know, they say the right things, yet their actions betray them. They say, I love Jesus, yet they disregard Jesus' commands. Uh, they say, oh, I, I just love the Lord. I, I, I just love serving the Lord Jesus Christ, yet they never serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they've got their own twisted idea of what they think serving Jesus is. And Jesus said, hey, it's hard to follow me. Many turn back because it was a hard saying, the Bible says. You know, it's not easy to follow Jesus. Uh, but if you'll have a little toughness about you and a little endurance like a soldier, you can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But this crowd says the right things, yet their actions betray them. They say the right things, yet their associations betray them. You think about that. Uh, they say the right things, yet their associations betray them. I 
love the Lord. And I love my church. And I'm just in love with Jesus Christ. And I just love the truth. And I just love this and that. Yet their associations betrayed them. Let me say this. People leave a church like ours. And suddenly, this is interesting to me, Brother Montgomery. Suddenly, they are linked up with the rebels who wouldn't step foot here that grew up here. Uh, and also, uh, let alone speak anything good about the place that made them, right. all of a sudden, they say, I'm right with God, and I, I'm serving the Lord, and I'm doing God's will, yet they link up as soon as they leave. Right. Hey, what's going on? They say one thing, and their associations right. betray them. Right. You can't take, unfortunately, there was a day where you could, but you can't take people at their word. You see, we've got to understand here, there was a day and age where you could do that. But we are living in a day and age where people will say one thing and their actions and their associations betray them. I don't trust what people say. I want to see what people do. You see, it's easy to say, I love Jesus, but do you through your actions? Do you through your associations? How can you love Jesus while you're associating with the ones tearing down the church that Jesus built. How can you say you love Jesus when your actions betray you? You see the certain crowd of deceit. Uh, there's people in this day and age we live in. And it's, again, uh, I, I'm trying to help you here tonight. Uh, we call ourselves independent fundamental Baptists for a reason. That means we're independent uh, from a convention. We're independent from any board. We believe God, is, Jesus Christ, established a church, set a pastor over the church, and that church is very well capable of running itself without the interference of another. We say we're fundamental. What does that mean? That means we believe the fundamental doctrines of the Bible. We say we're Baptists. What does that mean? We believe, and it was, a, it was given to us by those who hated us because we actually baptized by immersion after salvation. That's how we got the name independent fundamental Baptist. But nowadays, we live in a day and age where people are subtly dropping the word fundamental. I, I see it on websites all across our country. Uh, I mean, uh, I go on a website, and I, I, one, of the, one of the first things I always check, Brother Montgomery, I don't care if you say you're independent Baptist. Where's the word fundamental? They're dropping it because they don't want to be associated with the fundamentals of the Bible, but they want to be, they want the crowd. They, they want the, the prestige. They want the, all this and that, but they drop it. They're dropping the word fundamental. What's going on? They're appearing one thing but they're really something else. Uh, non-affiliated Baptist, same thing. I, I'm non-affiliated Baptist. What does that mean? Uh, it means you're changing. It means you're part of a certain crowd of deceit. There's a new group out there. It's really not new, nothing new under the sun. In fact, when someone uses the name new, mark them as, a, as, as completely false and, and just avoid them at all costs. New independent fundamental Baptist. Run. Stay away from those heretics. They've got everything practically wrong with what they believe. They're the most hateful people out there. Run from them. They appear one thing, but they're not what they appear. You see the certain crowd of deceit Christian here today? You better mark it down. You better kick that crowd to the curb. God here gives us a doctrine of separation. And God says, hey, this is how you're going to preserve the truth. This is how you're going to hold on to the truth. 
This is how you're going to run well and not turn from the truth. That's by staying away from the wrong crowds. That's by kicking these crowds to the curb. The certain crowd of deceit. Believe me, number two, second crowd I want to focus on here is the certain crowd of doctrinal heresy. Turn over to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And uh, we notice here another crowd God points out. Acts chapter 15, verse number 1. And certain men, there's that word again, certain. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. You say, what's going on here? Oh, nothing new in the sun, doctrinal heresy. Adding to salvation. Uh, saying salvation is something it's not. This crowd doesn't really hide what they really are. See, the first crowd we saw here, they hide what they really are. They say, I'm just like you. I believe what you believe, yet I associate with people who hate you. I believe what you believe, yet I don't want to be identified with you. And they hide what they really are. That's that crowd of deceit. But then this crowd of doctrinal heresy, they're the opposite. They don't hide what they really are. Oh, quite on the contrary, they boldly declare what they really are. This crowd uses bad Bibles. Hey, friend, I'm here to tell you, if you're saved just for a couple days or if you've been saved for years, the King James Bible is the written word of God. It's the true word of God. It's the preserved, inspired uh, word of God. We don't need anything else. If you can't understand the word of God and you need another translation, hey, uh, this was written on a fifth grade reading level. We might need to get our, uh, our uh, IQ checked a little bit. Uh, God gave us his word and he preserved it for all of us. And the Holy Spirit's certainly capable of helping you understand the word of God. I don't understand everything the Bible says. But you know what I do? I accept it. And I say, I don't understand this, but I'm just going to do it. And if the Holy Spirit wants me to know what he's talking about right now and at this point in time... He will help me, and if not, I'll just, I'm going to do the best I can, and eventually God will expound it to me. you, you, you got to believe the right Bible. See, this wrong crowd, they use bad Bibles. Well, that, 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 that Bible that's written on a fifth grade reading list, that's too hard to understand. So let's make it even harder to understand. <laughs> that's, that's what these bad Bibles do. Uh, they add or remove from biblical salvation. Oh, you one, two, three... Repeat after me, crowd. You guys are creating twofold childs of hell. You have to repent, and you have to have faith, and, uh, and then you have to be baptized and all this, and, and then we'll see if you really meant it, and then we'll know if you're saved or not. We'll put you through a class, and we'll make sure that you know what you're talking about. And we'll, we have to be assured that you're saved. Hey, nowhere in the Bible does God say that other men have to be assured of your salvation. Now, I do know the Bible does say, by your works, uh, you shall know them. Uh, and if you're saved, you ought to have some works in your life. Uh, you should be growing. Again, if you've been saved for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as there's growth in your life. No one's beating you up. No one's saying, hey, you're supposed to be this or, or down here uh, at this point in your life. No one's saying that. Just be growing. Just grow. But this crowd comes along and says, oh, they didn't mean that. They didn't mean it because they do this and they do that. And you know what? Or they say, oh, you know, they didn't do what I said I had to do. 
to get there. So they're not going to heaven. Shortly after me and my wife got uh, married, we were um, up at a church in Michigan. And uh, we went to that church on our honeymoon. And uh, it's, it's, it's okay to go to church on vacation, by the way. I know we got live stream, and I know live stream's a great, uh, great tool when you're sick, but when you're on vacation, you should be in church. Amen. Amen. Um, but so we were at church, and it was a good church when we went the first year. Went back, uh, we, we went to Michigan the next year, and um, we went to that same church. And uh, we had gotten to know the pastor's son and his wife, and so we went out to eat again with them. And uh, near the end of our uh, eat dinner time, they started telling us, have you heard about the way of the cross? I was like, yeah, uh, it's in the Bible. Jesus carried his cross, and uh, he, went to, uh, he went to the uh, Calvary, and he, you know, yeah, I've heard of the way of the cross. No, 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 the way of the cross. Kirk Cameron, uh, he, he, he is, this is an awesome way of presenting the gospel, and without getting all into it, basically uh, put people, dangle them over the pits of hell, so to speak, and then just walk away and leave them. And if they're really convicted, they'll come find you out to get saved. That's demonic. That's devilish. Uh, God never leaves man without hope. Uh, but they said, have you heard about this new plan of salvation? Now, they didn't word it like that. But, you know, it was bad theology. It was unbiblical theology. What are they doing? They're adding, removing from biblical salvation. Uh, they changed church edification and exhortation uh, into carnal entertainment. You see, this certain crowd of doctrinal heresy, you better be careful. You better beware. It's always a who uh, friend here today. It's always someone who will creep in and peddle you something. You better be careful of the who. Hey, you better be careful what you read. You know, we have a publications ministry here. And I'm not saying you can only read, you should only read books from our publications ministry, but that wouldn't be a bad place to start. Uh, why is it that Christians are more caught up with uh, reading books by Max Licato and Beth Moore and Joyce Myers and Rick Warren and Tom Rayner and Joel Osteen and Paul David Tripp and John MacArthur and David Jeremiah and all these other uh, hooligans and, and imposters? And we got books by Dr. Jack Hiles and Pastor Greg Neal that sit on the bookshelf. And uh, they, they, they certainly aren't trying to rip you off in our bookstore, although these charlatans do. Why is it that Christians in good churches like ours will read after authors like that? And then they wonder, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know why things are working the way they are. And I don't know why things are a mess. Hey, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You've got to be careful what you read, friend. What you read will make you, and it will break you. Again, I'm a product of association. When I got saved at 14, again, I grew up in church my whole life, but when I got saved at 14, I started reading Dr. Jack Isles. I started reading the Bible. Uh, hey, I didn't, I didn't read the Bible before I got saved. I could care less about it. But I started reading the Bible. Started reading after good authors. And I'm here today because of that. You ought to be careful what you read. You ought to be careful what you listen to. We live in the day of YouTube. We live in the day of podcasts. Music abounds everywhere. And let me say this, you should find out what someone believes before you give your ear to their material. Hey, stop trusting labels we got to stop trusting labels. You see, uh, too, many people go, I, I, too many people go to YouTube for their theology. 
I want to I, I see what this person says. I want to see what that person says. Why? You have a pastor. You have a home church that is going to teach you the whole counsel of the Word of God. Why in the world would you go to YouTube for theology? Podcasts abound, and people can peddle their heresy, and we trust it because they have a pretty app logo. Or we trust it because they say they're Baptist. Or we trust it because, hey, they're a nice person. Hey, I'm sure all these people I just named by name, I'm sure they're nice people. I'm sure that they are friendly, charismatic individuals. We would probably all like them if we had a conversation and they, we were just talking football. We'd probably like them all. But that has nothing to do with trusting them. And it has nothing to do with following after them. Music. Oh, my goodness. How Christians have been duped by music. Let me, let me say this. If, if uh, we were to go out and we were going to say, let's, brother, brother Collins, let's go to Guitar Center right down off of Blanding. We're going to get three electric guitars. We're going to get a bass. We'll get two electric over here and a bass. And then uh, you pick out your favorite drum set, and we'll set it up right there, and you can play it. And uh, I said, and we were like, this Sunday, we are going to have our guitar and drum part of our orchestra, our band. We can't call it orchestra no more. Uh, our band. Uh, would that please God? Would that be acceptable to God? Absolutely not. We'd say that would be hypocritical because we would say we believe in separation from the world. That's what the world does. That's what the world does. But will allow to influence us through our personal music. I mean, what about some of these groups out there? These CCM groups and dare I say it, even some of these southern gospel groups that uh, they will associate with any church that will give them a, a, a tour uh, opportunity. They will go to the Methodist church and they'll go to the uh, community church and they'll go to the uh, Episcopalian church and they'll go to the Southern Baptist church. They'll go to any church that will have them. And then we'll let them influence us because we like their music. Insanity. We, would, we wouldn't have them on our platform here. We'd say, they're ecumenical. They associate with all these other churches. I don't trust them. Yet we'll hop in our cars and listen to them. Let them influence us that way. You see, we've got to understand here today, God teaches the doctrine of separation here today. And so often, we as Christians, we justify it for certain things. We say, it's okay in this area, and it's okay in that area. No, no. God says, hey, the certain crowd of doctrinal heresy you ought to watch out for. We have got to get to the place where we understand we get influenced in every shape and form by who we're around. You are not strong enough. I am not strong enough. None of us are strong enough to say, I can handle it. I can handle this. No, you cannot. You got to watch out for that crowd of doctrinal heresy. And again, like I said, just because they say one thing, what do their actions say? I'm singing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, not the same Jesus I believe in because if you can go to the Episcopalian church and sing that song and they're up there hooting and hollering, I don't know if we believe the same Jesus. Uh, you're going down to the community church down there singing your songs and they're all getting, they're getting the holy rolling going on and they're standing up and praising and, uh, and all this and they're getting the feeling and uh, we don't believe the same Jesus here today. They will affect you and they will change you. And God here says, hey, who did hinder you? The certain crowd of doctrinal heresy. Number three, the certain crowd of discord. 
the certain crowd of discord. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Two chapters over. Acts chapter number 17. And the Bible tells us, I, uh, for sake of time, I'll not read all the verses, but in verses 1 through 4, we find that Paul is preaching the word of God. And he's preaching the gospel message that Jesus Christ, he suffered, he died, he rose again. He offers salvation free and all. And that's who he's preaching about. And the Bible tells us, we'll pick up with verse number 5, but the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Notice here, this crowd of discord pops out. You see, there's a lot of crowds you better learn and get ingrained in your head. I, I, I'm on the lookout for them. Uh, I've got my guard up for them. And if I, if they, uh, I'm not saying you got to be rude to them. I'm not saying you got to be a jerk to them. What I'm saying is you better have your guard up because it's a who that'll hinder you, but you've got your guard up. And you say, I'm on the lookout. There are crowds out there that would try to change me. There are crowds out there that would try to change my family. There are crowds out there that would try to change my church. And ultimately, Satan's behind it. But there's this crowd of discord, and this will destroy a church. This will destroy a good thing. You see, God commands the brethren in the church to be in one accord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible tells us in verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. God commands the brethren in the church to be in one accord. That means our church. We don't believe in no universal church. We're not the church. I can't stand when I hear people say, we're all the church. Not until Jesus raptures us do we become uh, the church altogether. Right now, we're local, independent churches. God wants the church to be in one accord. But here's what happens. In comes some devil. Uh, he comes along and sows discord and creates division. He might have a smile on his face. He might even... Uh, be a, a faithful servant in the church. He might even be a very talented individual. I, I, the, the, I mean, it could be anybody. They come along and they sow discord and create division. And God says in the next verse in 1 Corinthians 1, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. You see, uh, someone comes along and sows discord and creates division in the church. Anytime there's division in the church, there's a who involved. Uh, there's somebody who's not getting their way, and they're trying to get their way. And Romans 16 tells us what to do with discord sowers. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. You know, when someone comes up to you and says, hey, want to tell you something and they're being a little strange about it hey you ought to have red alert going off in your head when you see sometimes people it's not hard to see uh we just don't open our eyes 
Uh, but when you see people kind of crowding off together and they, they just look like they're up to good, you ought to have a red flag going up. Because, man, I've been in church all my life and I've seen it happen over and over again. Uh, people love to create division in a church. And God tells us two things to do with them. Mark them. That means, you know what? Uh, we can't be afraid to hurt Phil. I'm not, God's not saying to get up in front of the church and say, hey, I saw so-and-so. No, 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 that's not what God's saying. He's saying mark them. Mark them up here. Say, huh, something seems off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in mind. Uh, this doesn't seem right. Or someone comes to you and says, that pastor at that church, he's just, he's just mean. <laughs> now, pastor's a pretty nice guy. Uh, he, he's a pretty reasonable guy. Now, don't push him. Uh, don't, don't ask him to cross over the line. He shouldn't. But pastor's a pretty nice guy. And so when someone says, that pastor, he's so mean, I've got red flags on him because I say, this person is a discord sower. We ought to mark them. And then when God says mark them, we ought to avoid them. Hey, can we hang out today? I'm sorry, I can't. I I got something else going on. It could be your best friend that could be causing division. It could be a a family member that is creating discord. But you know what? You got to mark them. You got to avoid them. I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying be ugly. I'm not saying uh, be any of that. What I'm saying is God has said Hey, we've got to watch out for this certain crowd of discord because they can get into a place that God is doing a good thing and they don't even realize what they're doing half the time, but they are being used by the devil to destroy the work of God. We have got to be on the lookout for discord sowers. The social media world is killing our churches. The discord sowers back in the day would have left a church and you would have never heard from them again. Now they're on Facebook, and they're posting about how wonderful their life is. Now they're on Instagram, they're saying, oh, I'm just in love with God, and look what God is doing with me, and I'm so blessed, and, uh, and we fall for that, and we get enamored with them when God said, hey, mark them and avoid them. We have got to realize here, friend, that a certain crowd of discord, we got to be willing to kick them to the curb. Again, I never advocate, be rude. I never advocate, be uh, be mean. I never advocate that. But we ought to do what God says. Certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. My last one and I'll be done. The certain crowd of disputation. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter 6. Real quick, Acts chapter 6. The Bible says, in verses 8 through 9, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Now, Stephen's doing what God's given him to do. Stephen's preaching the word of God. Stephen, God is blessing Stephen. God's using him in a great way at this point in time to to preach the gospel. And along come certain of the synagogue disputing with Stephen. Now I want you to remind, this crowd disputes over things that should never be disputed. I mean, they want to argue about the very word of God. What is Stephen doing? He's preaching the word of God. And they want to argue about the word of God. That's about about the same as when a, a pastor preaches the word of God or gives counsel, and people want to argue with that and say, I don't agree with that, and I don't believe that. What do you have to argue with? Much like these people. They're disputing with Stephen, and they're arguing over things that should never 
be disputed. They often argue over the Word of God. How do you argue with the Word of God, friend? It's a tragic thing. We go out soul winning. I talk to a lot of people. And I try to share the gospel with them, and they, and for whatever reason, they just don't believe it, and they wanna, but they want to argue. And I, I, I'm here to tell you, uh, I, I don't argue or debate over that which is right. This is what the Bible says. You, you just got to believe it. I'm not here to, I'll try to persuade them that it's the word of God, but it's not my job to convince them or to argue with them. And so these people dispute, just much like these people in the Bible, and they want to dispute with Stephen. They came, they want to dispute the ways of God. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with what God, God's ways. Well, hey, God said it. He created us. He gets to create the rules, right? Um, I mean, I, I, got, I mean, my two kids in my house, uh, I get to create the rules, right? I mean, uh, I brought them in this world. I pay for them. I get to create the rules. If I say go to bed at 7.30, by all means, you better, you better be in that bed at 7.30. Uh, and God created this earth. God created uh, us, and God gets to create the rules. And that's what God says. It's his ways. Thus saith the Lord ought to be the end of it, but not for this crowd. This crowd likes to argue. They want to debate. And, uh, friend, this crowd always says that they are arguing and debating because they just want to know why. And you know what? You don't always have to know why. Parents, you don't have to tell your kids why. I, I, I see sometimes out, I'm out and about, and I'll hear people tell, tell little Johnny no, and then they want to explain to little Johnny why they said no. You don't have to tell little Johnny no. No, because you said it. You're the parent. I, I like when I was reading the book of Daniel. God was giving Daniel a lot of information and there was a point at the end of Daniel where Daniel doesn't understand what God is saying. He's, after God had already said, Daniel, close up the book and seal it. And Daniel said, God, I want to know more. And God said, Daniel, go thy way. We don't have to know why. But that's what this crowd likes to do. They want to say, they want to argue and say, I just want to know why. No, they don't. They don't want to know why. It's not about knowing why. It's about getting their way. And if they don't get their way, they turn into a couple of other crowds. Notice this in verse 10 real quick. We're almost done. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. I mean, when someone stands on the truth and says, thus saith the Lord, how do you argue with that? You don't. It's a losing battle. And then notice what they turned into. This crowd of disputing and arguing. Notice what they turned into. They turned into the certain crowd of deceit. Uh, verse 11, they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Verse 13, and set up false witnesses which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which, Jesus, which Moses delivered us. What did they do? They started telling lies. They, they suborned men. They, they paid them to be a false witness. They turned into the crowd of deceit when they didn't get their way. I'm going to lie about that place. I'm going to lie about that man of God. I'm going to lie about them. I'm going to say they said things and they didn't. They also turned into the certain crowd of discord, verse 12. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. You see... They turned into this certain crowd of this crowd of disputation turned into the certain crowd of discord, all because they didn't get their way. Now, I got to I got to cut off because I'm out of time. But I want you to understand something here today. There are certain crowds out there that you know what? They're not your friend. They're not my friend. 
Now, it doesn't mean, I, it doesn't mean you can't be friendly to them. It doesn't mean I can't be friendly to them. Uh, but you know what? They're not your friend. And they would change you in a heartbeat if they could. And what you ha- and I have to realize here today is God gives us the doctrine of separation. It's not a bad word. It's not a bad thing. But we've fallen for the lie that it's okay for me to be a bridge builder nowadays. Different day, different age, different time. God never gave us a job of being a bridge builder. He did sell us to build some walls. And you know what? You and I got to be willing to say, you know what? God said it. I'm going to do it. And God said it. I'm going to be on guard for it. And when these crowds come into my life, I'm willing to kick them to the curb. We've got to get back to the place where we realize, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the word of truth? And so, friend, here today, certain crowds, every Christian must kick to the curb. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, preach your